I went to the fabric shop yesterday and bought a whole bunch of zips. Why? Because I was like, God forbid I'd be out of zips on Good Friday. <laughs> Honestly, capitalism and I are just great friends sometimes. Capitalism, <laughs> yeah, you're bonded to it and, and, and closely so. Oh, but here we are. We're recording mm-hmm. in the morning for, I think, the first time ever. Mm-hmm. I'm quite excited about it. But yeah, should we, should we get into it? Should we make a show? Let's crack in. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Three Wheeling, the podcast where we talk about making friends in our 30s and the things we've been enjoying recently. I'm Laurel Henning, a Sydney-based journalist, and down the line from Melbourne is my good friend, Sasha Kelly, Melbourne-based podcast producer, and I've made her laugh already, which I'm really pleased about. Hello, Sasha. How are you? Hello, Laurel. I thought you'd introduce me as friend of capitalism, Sasha Kelly, (laughs) because that's what I'm vibing at the moment. Uh, (laughs) The panic, the panic buying ahead of a long weekend has really got to you. Yeah. Yeah. I really fell for it this year. I bought two boxes of shapes, two boxes of muesli bars, a thing of milk and four zips. (laughs) Just the most bizarre combination of things. Was that an original list or was that just like stuff that you decided you needed? I also love that there's two of everything, which is true to like post-COVID lockdown fears of I will never be without. I will never not have a well-stocked cupboard again. Yeah, I went to get the milk and um, I found also during COVID like buying small things makes me happy, you know. But in the land before time, I would go to the shops and be like, I need a skirt, I need a top, I need a lipstick. Now it's like, I need a zip, I need a box of shapes. <laughs> and it just like, fulfills the same gaping hole in my soul. None of us are the same people. And you're you're the person who is now fulfilled by two boxes of shapes rather than an expensive skirt. But you know, there's a, there's a good, there's good mm-hmm. things to be said and taken from that, I'm sure. Now, have you been making friends in the past mm. few weeks since we last spoke? No, I haven't. <laughs> I just, um, honesty is the best policy today. Um, no, I have just been reconnecting with old friends, I'm going to say. I haven't really been doing anything that's super social. A couple of reasons. I'm going, I don't know if I've mentioned, but I'm going on a big holiday in May. Um, I like that you you couldn't decide halfway through whether to commit to the entire accent for the whole of that bit, but I enjoyed the indecision. <laughs> no, I'm just sorry. No, go again. Okay. I'm just doing strange voices this morning. Yeah, so I'm going on a holiday in May, and my brother is getting married at the end of the month, and so I'm just finding that like time is becoming a really precious commodity. I'm also. I'm very self-conscious of the fact I haven't seen a lot of people who are very good friends. And so I'm trying to just, you know, juggle and do that precious and very tricky thing of have enough time for myself, have enough time for my job, have enough time to exercise, which I've really failed at, and have enough time to be social and keep my house clean. And I am failing at all fronts at the moment, but that is okay. I've decided it's a long weekend. I'm going to catch up with some of the cleaning and the exercise packs. Um, Going to a friend's place for Sunday dinner um, and catching up with old mates. But that the best, I'm doing my best and that's all I can hope for at the moment, I've decided. 
I think that is a good and honest um, sharing of what it's like when you're trying to literally do everything and yeah. something's got it like something's got to drop and then sometimes you're trying to do everything and everything drops a little bit and that's just the way of things it's just the way of things I will say that I've gone back to the gym since we last talked for the first time since I sprained my ankle also not sure whether I mentioned that on mic no but I don't yes. think we've discussed that on mic I sprained my ankle rather badly tore uh the physio thinks I've torn two tendons um so just don't have them anymore so I went back and everyone was really lovely and like how are you all the pressure's been taken off of actually having to do anything difficult. So I just kind of turn up to the gym now and wander around and lift a few things and then go home. But it was really nice. It just made me, it reminded me of the fact that when you've invested so much time going somewhere, um, that yeah, people are happy to see you back. So that was nice. What about you? What friend, what friend making have you done? I too probably haven't made any new friends, I think, in the last few weeks, but I have done something which you've spoken about before on Mike when you moved into your current apartment, I think. And I had people, mm-hmm. like a bunch of people over for the first oh, time. Oh, how nice! And anyone who knows me knows I'm quite an anxious host. And I can't imagine. No, I'm joking. Sorry, that was no, mean. It's fine. <laughs> No, it's very lovable and affectionate teasing and that's a good and constructive thing that we all need in our lives so thank you for uh, thank you for saying that um yeah I think I long to have a home which is like open door come over anytime and I and I'm I know I'm not that like naturally inclined and I but I just want that so badly mm. it's like um, how I imagine that I look like Sienna Miller when I leave the house but I don't Every You're time. the same in hospitality. You're like, I want to be easy breezy. I'll just put this together from my cupboard. Yes. No. You've got muesli bars and a box of shapes. <laughs> you get it. You get it. And anyway, I thought at one point I was like, we've got this great space. Like we should have a housewarming party. We should have a housewarming party. And then suddenly I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I will never enjoy. I, I, I won't enjoy it. I won't be able to relax. Yeah. It will just not go well. So I thought, how can I do this? Actually, no, to be fair, a very wise friend said to me, why don't you have people over in groups? So you do this in stages. Yeah. And so I invited a load of my book club pals over. And there were about 15 of us, which was like a sizable group, but not so much that I was like, oh my God, the drinks, glasses, marks on every surface. Like truly Monica from Friends just going around mocking yeah, just up like, after people. Are we having fun? Are we having fun? <laughs> Keep it clean. It's like you see into my Sorry. soul. <laughs> I just want everyone to be having a good time. Are we having a good time? Um, I swear for like the first 10 minutes when people kept, people were arriving in conversation, all I was doing was going, mm, good, cool, mm-hmm, mm, good. It's like it was like a nervous tick because I was so aware yeah. of have people got their drinks like what's happening? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. I'm determined yeah. to get there. But the point was this advice of just like have a select group over, build it around mm. that group. Everyone kind of brought something, so I didn't have to worry about every drink, every piece of food. I did. Oh, but I did bake my first focaccia. Thank you so much, and it did go well. Ooh. Thank you so much. But it was that thing of like nothing ever goes 
I need to accept, especially in hosting, I think nothing is ever exactly as you're envisioning. So I thought I was going to have the whole day to prep for this. I was going to go for park run and then I was going to prep. And I said, oh, can I, you know, I need a hand. Like, let's go, let's go to the supermarket together. We'll, we'll take the car. And then suddenly we needed to do like a couple of other errands and all this kind of stuff. Suddenly it was 2 p.m. And I was just like, people are coming at six. What's that? Like, what? I don't, I don't have enough time. I'm not going to have a nap. Not, anyway, there was a car meltdown. Uh, someone no. gave me a call. I've, I've oh. been there. So I'm saying all these things because I still remember my favorite birthday party was my 28th. 27th birthday party had it at my house I had 14 I didn't count how many people I invited over for a sit-down dinner and then when I did the day before it was 14 and my best friend came around while I was having a meltdown over two kilos of potatoes (laughs) (laughs) and she's like we've got this it's gonna be okay but I still remember being like in my head I was Nigel yes everyone was at this table I was glossy. I was okay. Everyone had what they needed to eat. Reality was me crying, peeling potatoes that didn't fit in the, that sheer amount of potatoes didn't fit in the oven. But in the end, it went ahead so, and yeah. did everyone have a lovely time? And did you enjoy it? You said it was your favorite birthday. It's still my favorite birthday and it was a marvelous day. It, I just realized afterwards, for me, it was that learning curve of I need to ask mm. for help. You know, being Nigella, Nigella has a TV team. <laughs> Nigella has prep. Nigella has a producer. In my mind, I was like, nah, I can do everything from the shopping to the list mm. to the cooking to the prep. It's like, no, yeah. no, you just ask for so, help. And, yeah. and at an appropriate time, like ahead of time, not while you're crying. Well, while I was crying, I had uh, te- yeah. <laughs> Text my good friend Heather, all caps, welcome to my anxiety spiral. (laughs) And I I can see where this is going. Heather was like, put the gloves on. She's like, I'm ready. I'm coming in. I'm a pitcher stepping up to the bat. The base. (laughs) She was coming in hot. She called me. She was like, I've got spare chairs. I've got a set of 14 wine glasses. (gasps) Heather delivered. And without Heather... Heather was MVP. Heather was for sure. MVP for sure. for sure. And the whole thing went ahead. Everyone had a great time. I had a great time. And I now feel confident enough to do it again. But also, as you say, ask for help. But we will all be Nigella one day. One day. With her team of people, which I think is a really <laughs> valid and important point. What have you been listening to in recent weeks? Well, what have I been listening to? Okay. Um, I've been in a real listening rut. I used to when I first got into podcasts, like I had a list that were all kind of serialized shows, you know, that they would release something new in the same way that I get obsessed with White Lotus. I used to have that with my podcasts and I just haven't. And it's kind of snuck up on me that that's because it's become a habitual habit as opposed to a must listen. I'm not really invested in anything in that way. And I, at the moment or anymore so this is something that's just come out and I've only listened to one and a half episodes but I really love the premise and so I'm going to listen to the remainder that come out I think there's gonna be another eight episodes or eight in total I should say and it's called but are you happy it's a Mamma Mia podcast and they're interviewing quite reasonably successful I wouldn't say um because I know we have a lot of international listeners these aren't going to be people who you would recognize if you're living in the UK or Brussels but 
Um, they're most they're semi recognizable characters in the Australian media scene, um, and they're just asking them, not necessarily like, "Are you happy now?" But also, at pivotal points in your career, when it looks like you are doing really, really well, are you happy? Anyway, the first episode, the only episode I've really listened to is the host was interviewed by her producer because she said, before I ask other people this, I think it's only fair that I answer these questions myself. And I just found it a really effective listen um, and something that I think in the age of, you know, we're making a show right now and we're quite selective about what we decide to say on mic and the same with Instagram. You know, I've had this conversation quite a few times over the last year and a bit with quite a few close friends where they've said, you seem like you're doing fine and um, usually that's not the case. The more that I'm – because you do. You select the highlights of your life to share on social media so or, or publicly – actually in whatever view that is so I just found it a really interesting um show and a really interesting concept and I'm going to and and some of the guests that they have coming up are favorites of mine so I'm really intrigued to listen so the set the one that I've got halfway through is the shameless team um Michelle and Zara and it's even more fascinating because shameless started they were both working at Mamma Mia when they started. So they actually are going to talk about that kind of time, which just as a media nerd is super interesting. Anyway, that's what I'm listening to. What about you? I think also that's a really good point that there aren't many things now that are coming out. I don't know. I just, there. I yeah, I feel in the way that, as you say, something like The White Lotus on TV has so much hype around each week and a new episode coming out. And probably not since something like Serial really has has there been that kind of obsession with regular dropping yeah. of episodes of podcasts. And like, I think I do still have a handful of culture book-related podcasts that I look forward to every week or two weeks, however often they drop. But it's really two or three and I would agree with you that I'm probably more of a habitual listener of podcasts sort of walking to the bus cooking dinner all of that kind of stuff that it just goes on yeah Mm. I was just Mm. because I was looking through some of the episodes Sarah you mentioned serial but I was thinking even you sent me heavyweight there used to be a lot of Gimlet podcasts startup that I was obsessed with and I would I knew when it dropped and I would look forward to it. I'd be like, Monday mornings is this day and um and, and then also thinking about the dropout and bad blood and stories of that are more investigative investigative journalism. Um, yeah, they just kind of disappeared from my life, which I just mm. found kind <clears throat> of interesting. Oh. Oh, not us though. I'm sure everyone stays <laughs> refreshing uh, but we're not even regular so like that people part- must just check it and go oh there's another one oh I've been hanging on the edge of my seat I think I'm un- now <laughs> I think our unpredictability might be helping us or hopefully it is stay with uh, us listener stay with us yes um well I also want to do a callback and say thank you for your Spotify daily drive recommendation because <sighs> I'd never listened to mine or engaged mm-hmm. with it and then I did I think it was a couple of weeks ago and I really enjoyed it I loved the little uh, podcast 
segment. Mm-hmm. The music was the perfect balance of stuff I listened to, very like my most favourite plays, but they were like grouped perfectly together. Yeah. I don't um, know. It's for the, the vibe data. and mood. Yeah, the, the, it's the, the data. <laughs> the algorithm got me. Yeah. My algorithm understands me. Oh, actually, before we dive in, um, this is another throwback from you. Oh. Um, I've been obsessed with listening to Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac just because of Daisy Jones and the Six and it's everywhere and I just, oh, anyway, thought you'd appreciate that too. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. There can never be too much listening of Fleetwood Mac, in my opinion, in the world. Just continue to do it. Um, yeah, I've got a f- yeah, I've kind of got a few listening recommendations. So I wanted to call back to the Daily Drive. So I encourage mm. listeners to go into their Spotify app and see what theirs is. If there are any surprises, do let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, yesterday, I was really in need of a. These are all sort of honourable mentions, and then I'm going to get to my main recommendation. I was okay. really in need of a comfort listen, and nothing gives me more comfort listen vibes, as you would imagine, than a book podcast. Yes, and there's. A new-ish one at the moment. I don't know whether you've listened to it yet, Sasha. It's called Book Chat, and it's Pandora Sykes's mm. new newish podcast with Bobby Palmer, who's another journalist author. And the premise is, I would say it's a, th- I don't think it's even an hour. I think it's a thirty-minute conversation where they discuss two books each month, and the stipulation or the condition of their book choices is that they have to be at least two years old because they both work in the media industry where they're reading a lot of proofs or they're just surrounded constantly by very new books and I think also being very much on kind of bookstagram myself Mm. and really enjoying that corner of Instagram you do get faced with much more recent publications than something that someone's picked up from five, 10, 30 years ago that they really want to recommend. And it's, it's a really lovely listen. It's an, they're interesting conversations. They've done things more recently, like Exit West, which I've wanted to read for a while. They've also discussed the Virgin Suicides, but they've also discussed Wuthering Heights. Like there's a real range of time periods going on here. So I'd really recommend Book Chat by Pandora Sykes and Bobby Palmer. But my main recommendation, if I may be so bold, to just go a deep dive into something else, the podcast is called Questioning Fashion. And so Ali, my friend, runs the vintage dress shop that I love to go to Mm. in Marrickville. And they're doing it basically... like They're aware that the people listening to the the podcast are aware of or interested in sustainable fashion. So it's not really a podcast about the issues with the fashion industry and overconsumption and necessarily about changing habits. It's more a deep dive into vintage fashion or cyclical fashion. And they, But they did a recent episode specifically on ethical brands. And I put that in some ways in quotation marks, but it was very... It was very interesting and sort of how to research an ethical or sustainable brand, um, especially when it comes to basics, which is most people's real stumbling block if they're trying to do yeah. sustainable shopping or maybe they're on a shopping ban, but then they then they need some new underwear or their trainers break or whatever it might be. Where do you go for stuff like that mm. if you want to still keep it really sustainable? And they're also really honest about their own shopping habits. And I just think it's really, um, really insightful, really well done yeah. and really 
welcoming to like various different understandings and approaches to sustainable fashion. So Questioning Fashion is the podcast and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you're listening right now. What about what you're watching? Okay, so I feel like we are now in the season that we hinted at a few weeks ago where we were like, Mm -hmm. there's so much good TV coming. Okay, so what I have been watching among the new seasons that have recently Mm -hmm. dropped is the latest season of Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso, fond in my heart, I think got a lot of us through lockdown and... I think was just this purely, purely good show at a period where lots of people really needed that. Now, I would say that maybe later seasons haven't been as gripping as the first season, but still, if you were invested in that emotional comfort watch, it's it's definitely worth sticking with. I felt the same in the early episodes of the latest season until the latest episode, episode four. And I think in this episode, we return to why Ted Lasso as a series is so brilliant, specifically the exploration of uh, male emotions, male friendship, and how men communicate with one another and how they try, how in this show they do it in a way that you just don't see it very often. And yeah, just talking about feelings. And I just, it was the first episode in a while where Ted Lasso made me cry. And it used to make me cry all of the time, but that was probably more uh, reflective of the fact that we were in lockdown and there was this little happy gem coming once a week. Whereas, um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, really good episode. So episode four of the latest season of Ted Lasso. If you're watching and you're not sure so far, stick with it. And if you have never watched Ted Lasso, definitely watch the first season and then see how you go with the later ones. I... Um, so I think I, I have to own up to something because I told you recently that I was going to only watch it once it all finished and then I had a really bad night a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, I'm just going to watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm also up to date and I agree with that. I think um, the first few episodes, it's kind of like if you haven't seen a friend in a long time and you're finding your feet and you're like, oh, this is a bit strange. It's not quite how I imagined it and I think they're like if we want to get in the nitty-gritty there's some character choices that I'm like I'm really interested to see how they're going to arc this out because it seems like a strange choice namely Keely having a PR company that's funded by a VC backer I'm like what that doesn't make any logical sense but let's leave that at the door um yeah but I think you're right like that um without spoilers like the exploration of anger as a motivating um feeling and how it can feel like the right thing at the time but it rarely pays off I think it's just such a such a good point for this episode such a good point and um the I also loved in this episode this is separate from the discussion amongst the male coaching team of Richmond Richmond FC it was But the bit right at the beginning uh, between Sassy and Ted. And he's like, I'd really like to take you on a date. And she just says, no, you're a mess. I was a mess when I was at this point, but I'm about three years on from you. So I'm more of a disarray than you are. (laughs) And I just thought the honesty between them and then his exploration of that was so good. I was like, oh, if only I'd had the foresight at several times in my life to be like, no. (laughs) 
you're a mess. This is fun yeah. as it is. Let's keep it as it is until you've done work on yourself. Oh, I know. Chef's kiss, good communication and emotional awareness. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I think this is something we both watched, but I came home last night and opened my uh, iPad and found this in season two and was pleasantly surprised and watched one episode before I went to bed. That's Love Me. <laughs> Laurel's face. I just, just went, saw. What? I just saw an Instagram trailer on my phone, and I was so excited because I didn't think yes. this was. A, I didn't think this was a TV series that may get a second season. But my gosh, it was good. It was so, so know, good. This- so like peak good Australian TV. Love to see the cities that we know on TV. I know. Incredible acting. Oh my gosh! Go in, go in. Tell me what it's like so far. Yeah, so I, I first of all, I just want to say it is one of the best feelings in the world to love a TV show and then discover there's a second season without having had to wait and just and just opening it and being surprised with another 10 episodes to dive into. I didn't even know they were making one. I hadn't, I hadn't heard or seen a trailer anywhere. Exactly. And then suddenly they were like streaming now on Binge. I know. First of all, I just want to honour that feeling and just say... How amazing that was. It's great. It's just, it's picking it back up from where it ended. Um, so there were, like, it was nicely wrapped up to Can your you point. Can you give a like, small synopsis of season one? Yeah. So it's about a family. Uh, it's a nuclear family, to a uh, son and a daughter and two adults. Very quickly, I'm not spoiling anything, the mother dies. That's very well signposted in the first episode. And so then it's about the three characters and their exploration with love in its various forms. And they all take remarkably different journeys um, with really lovely love stories that I think are quite, I I, I say realistic in the sense that obviously I don't think it would be likely that three people in the same family would have these love stories on the same timeline. But I think individually, if you followed them, they're quite realistic explorations of what love looks like at those points in your life. The second season, like with Hugo Weaving's character aside, he's the father and he's a lot older. The two children, uh, their stories are kind of around um, fertility and children, which, so I'm only one episode in, but I think it's going to be really interesting because that's obviously such, pardon the pun, fertile ground for a narrative to sit in. And it's just great. I just really enjoy the characters. They're not cliches. They're not stereotypes. It's so different to Ted Lasso where it's like their caricatures on the outside and then as you get to know them, there's more depth. But they're still not really people who live in the real world with us. Um, This is very much like I feel like I can touch and like these could be neighbours. These could be my friends. These are people who I interact with. And to your point, just it's set in Melbourne and it's just a really – they've got so many gorgeous shots walking across the bridge um, between the Art Centre and Flinders Station. Mm. And I watched Offspring religiously for years and that is set in where I live, which is Fitzroy. But there's for some reason a lot of TV shows in Melbourne don't focus on that bridge. And as I watched it, I was like, oh, it's such, a, it's such an iconic um, and central part of my Melbourne experience. It's really lovely to see it on television. So yeah, I'm I'm just really looking forward to getting stuck into the next few episodes over the next few days. How many are they releasing at once? I think 
potentially I haven't checked I think potentially they're all up oh brilliant because I was like excellent this is something I can watch while I wait for succession on Monday which, which we'll, we'll get into about. we'll get into later in the series of, yes 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 but yeah that's what I've been watching love that have you been reading anything fabulous yes that was an enthusiastic yes and I'm here for it it was a yes I'm back into my reading so I know I recommended Jane Harper last time. I have read a second Jane Harper book or a third. I don't know where I'm up to anymore. Force of Nature, really enjoyed it. But I kind of said everything I want to about Jane Harper last time, but also a good one. I'm in the midst of a book called Choke Point Capitalism. It's a nonfiction book about how Netflix, Spotify, um, Amazon with their books. Um, and so it's an exploration of how They've seemingly disrupted the landscape, but they've still managed to make money out of creatives um, and, and kind of and, – and the idea is that they've put a choke mm. point on the capitalist structure. It's quite depressing. I'm only halfway through because it's really focused on the business deals and what's happened. And so it is a bit of a dense and hard read. But it promises, I mean, it says in the blurb, it's going to tell us the solution. So I'm continuing to read in the hope that it gets optimistic and starts telling me the way that we could be operating. But I just have found it a really fascinating book um, and would definitely recommend it. I heard the one of the authors, there's two authors, one of the authors interviewed on a couple of podcasts and was really impressed with the way he spoke. But my main recommendation is an article that I read this week. It was recommended um, on Shameless's uh, Instagram and it's called My Marriage Was Never the Same After That by Maggie Smith. And it's about this woman who wrote and um, I'm, I'm, I will wonder whether you re- remember this. Do you want to say what you recall about it? Um, I was just going to say this article was discussed in one of my favourite podcasts, which I've actually never recommended on the show, I don't think, but the Slate Culture Gabfest talked about it this week. This is Maggie Smith who wrote, is it Bones, is the is the poem? And then it it went viral. It was in 2016, I think. Yes. Yeah, 2015. Oh, 2015. Oh, she wrote it in 2015. I think, yeah, you're right. It went viral in 2016. Um. I forgot it was called Bones, but I remembered it from the opening paragraph of this article is she said, the first line came to me quickly and the line in the poem was, life is short, though I keep this from my children. And I really remember that resonating with me. Anyway, it's it's a really interesting, kind of sad, but all too familiar story about a woman who is married to quite a high profile, high achieving highly stressful job um her partner her um husband and she's always been seen as like oh the writing in quotation marks as like as though it's not a real job but just because it's not financially the equivalent until this poem goes viral and all of a sudden her life seemingly changes overnight that 20-year success story and about how that really became the downfall of her marriage and then the and she writes just really beautifully about the emotions surrounding divorce and how you know by the time you sign the paper that's kind of at the end of the grieving journey well for her it was I'm sure that's not representative for everyone so I just 
it, I think every now and then someone recommends something on social media that you, for whatever reason, click through, read, and it really sticks with you. And this is one of those ones. So I just thought in terms of the other things that I've read this month, this has probably had the biggest impact on me. How about you? What have you been, or did you have thoughts about the piece? Yeah, I... So remember the poem really sticking with me at the yeah, time as really well. Yeah, and it really did the rounds on Instagram. And I think, so in the podcast discussion I was listening to about it, maybe we should link to that too. Actually, it might be useful in the show now, in yes, the show please. notes. They were talking about the fact that it became, it went viral at a point where a couple of things were happening. And obviously we all know that 2016 was a culturally chaotic year. And um, that was sort of, part of the reason for its popularity she has written a very similar essay before in 2019 she wrote for modern love uh, a piece called tracking the demise of my marriage on google maps oh okay in that essay in the modern love essay she talks about going back to google maps because the picture of her house on google maps was old and was the same as when she lived there rather than the point at which she's writing the essay and retracing the structure of your marriage and the demise of your marriage through these digital memories. And the point on the podcast that was being made was that that essay was a bit more emotionally explorative, perhaps, rather than the essay that she's written more recently explores terms like emotional labour and things like that that are much more recent terms than when she was experiencing her divorce. And so... I think the people on the podcast were sort of saying it would have been nice or she'd kind of already written the better, more emotional, Mm. emotionally explorative essay about actually how this felt rather than what this looks like. Yeah, that's interesting. I also wonder whether that's, you know, for a writer, two points of grief. You know, when you're closer to the event, you are swept up in the emotions And, you know, after you've done a certain amount of therapy or after you've sat with something for a certain amount of time and all of a sudden it, it, once you get that distance, it makes sense. If you've really healed from it properly, you can see it not as a failing, but as a, like a misaligning of goals or, you know, you're, I don't want to say you're a more whole person again, but I definitely, that's my experience of things is that once you've, um, had the distance and you've done the work and you've got your self-esteem back, you go, oh, actually this wasn't a blight on me. This is, um, this was something that was always going to happen because of. Yeah. You're more yourself with the scars and learnings of that experience rather than yourself within that experience defined by it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's that's super interesting to read as well, because that it's two different essays written from two different vantage points, like as she's traveling away from the divorce. So yeah. Well, I'm glad I, I, um, yeah, it was one of those things that just really took me by surprise, uh, which I think I've had a few, I I think that's what I love about social media is every now and then you get something that you go, oh, wow, I didn't expect to come across and I wouldn't have come across that today. Yeah. What about you? What have you been reading? I've got a couple of much lighter notes that we can finish on. So first of all, we are recording on Good Friday. Both of us have had hot cross buns, one, Mm -hmm. two, perhaps three for breakfast this morning. And I wanted to mention an article that by the time our listeners listen to this, Easter will be a long forgotten memory. The idea of a hot cross bun will not appeal. But there was an article, a New York Times cooking 
article by Doozy Morris this week, um, which basically said that hot cross buns are the pumpkin spice latte of Australia. And I adore my New York Times cooking newsletter that lands in my inbox twice a week. It's one of my favourite things to read. I think that one of my favourite points made in the article is that this is one example of where a festival in Australia inherited from Australia's colonial history actually coincides well with the climate here. So rather than you trying to perhaps Mm, cook a turkey mm. when it's like 37 degrees outside, you are enjoying a cinnamon spiced bun just as the leaves are starting to turn here and it's getting autumnal and perhaps perhaps it's raining outside and the clocks have changed and it's all lovely and cosy and delightful. So I would really recommend that New York Times piece if you're still enjoying or (laughs) a hot cross bun or just enjoying enjoying the seasonal ideas of things but I recently read I Remember Nothing by Nora Ephron Nora Nora yes Nora is part of the I would say powerful female non-fiction trifecta that exists within my brain made up of Nora Ephron Deborah Levy's Living Autobiography Trilogy and Joan Didion. And these are... I wanted to make a really <laughs> crass joke of like the Father, Son and Holy Spirit or like... <laughs> which one is which is... in that experience? I don't know. I think Joan Didion would be mother. Yeah, I think Deborah <laughs> Levy would be would be daughter and, and Nora Ephron is Holy Spirit. I think that's okay, how great. that works. Yeah, yeah, great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, and it... These are writers that I return to to have like a cultural palate cleanse if I've read something mm-hmm. particularly heavy or if I just want to feel inspired for nonfiction writing. They make me want to be better a better writer, um, clearly not a better speaker. <laughs> and I just, I always get something from their nonfiction writing. I much prefer yes. their nonfiction writing to their fiction, I have to say. All that to say, I in I am not someone who reads a book in a day, but I inhaled this a couple of Saturdays ago. Basically, I spent a lot of time on public transport running around and seeing friends, and it was the most delightful read. She talks in this book about how she got into journalism as well, which obviously as a journalist I found interesting. And at the end, it just it finishes with some really gorgeous and... How she is funny and witty in lists, I don't even understand, but that's the talent of Nora Ephron. And it ends with things, lists of what I, w- what I won't miss and what I will miss, and also things that consistently surprise people, all of which I really enjoyed. And I have to say, the what I will miss list sort of punched, punched me in the feels a little bit, because obviously Nora Ephron passed away a few years ago, and not that long after this would have been published. And I think... Yeah, it was just really beautiful and the fact that at mm. the end, really the things that matter are the most simple things. It's the walks in the park, the twinkling lights and the, you know, the smell of nice things cooking. But I wanted to find the thing about what people are surprised by perhaps more than anything else. But um, I don't know whether I will be able to find it. Um, um, I've only read, I think I've read her interview book. Like there's a published, a tiny little book of her last interview. And I've read Heartburn, but I don't think I've read that one. And I also know Lena Dunham wrote about her. Another kind of probably um, divisive figure, but I have a lot of respect for, was um, very close to Nora Ephron in her last last few years and writes beautifully about her. 
you feel you look like you found it I have found it okay I'll just read a few things from this list freedom of the press belongs to the man who owns one Nothing written in today's sports pages makes sense to anyone who didn't read yesterday's sports pages. There is no explaining the stock market, but people try. (laughs) Movies have no political effect whatsoever. A lot of people take the Bible literally. Pornography is the opiate of the masses. You can never know the truth of anyone's marriage, including your own. And those are just a few snippets from things that consistently people seem to be surprised by over and over again. Wow. Which is actually 25 things people have a shocking capacity to be surprised by over and over again. That's so good. That's yeah, so I love brilliant. her. She's brilliant. And everything is copy. She's the one who said everything is copy and I think it's a way to live. It's true. I, th- I yeah. think it's true. Yeah. And it's there's a brutality to that, but I think... We can get into that in a whole other episode. Oh, oh, rich words to finish on today, Laurel. Rich. <laughs> She's putting her hands in the air again. You know, Sasha in her kimono on a, on a bank holiday, public holiday morning, <laughs> is very much an evangelical televangelist, but, I, but <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, I could have been in another life. Maybe that was what my career, my show... My desire to be a show woman, maybe that's what I should have done. Um, I'm going to sew this long weekend. That's what I'm looking forward to. What about you? Anything in particular? Uh, I have big reading plans. I've got plans to really get into my wardrobe and start really assessing. I haven't bought many new things for a long time, but I really want to go through. I'm struggling to cull, but I have too much that I don't Mm. wear. And I don't think it's actually helpful anymore it's beyond the point of there are some things in there that are good because fashion is cyclical and shapes of jeans will come back around and that's fine and there are other things in there that I don't think I feel great in every time I put them on and I think if you don't feel great in something every time consistently that you wear it then it shouldn't be in your wardrobe and so those are the pieces that will be leaving my wardrobe this weekend excellent excellent well on that note let's wrap it up um you can follow us we're mainly on the gram aren't we mainly on the gram we are at three wheeling pod um come talk to us there we are small but mighty with our following crew um and then you can also send us an email three wheeling pod at gmail.com laurel until next time goodbye bye